Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, brought to you by Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Here on Sketch Nerds, we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today we're going to be discussing sketches from A Bit of Fry and Laurie and The Dana Carvey Show by way of SNL. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth Alcorn and Julian Morgan. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to welcome back as a guest, Layla Dreesey. Layla, did I do it right? Did yeah, I say you said right my again? name right. All Thank right. you, Andy. Layla, how are you doing today? Oh, never better. Never better? Never better. Literally never better. This never. is the best day There's of There's never my been like a moment life. in comedy that was better for you than this? Oh, well, one time, the first time I did stand-up, first and only time I did stand-up, I humped a microphone and I got applause, so I, that's pretty great. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like that's. How We've been left speechless just hearing that. Yeah, it was it was uh, I was floundering. I was, didn't have. What any was there? Was there a? It was it part of a bit or was it just trying to? Uh, I it was a it was an open mic. It was mostly. Uh, that's not surprising. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Me improvising stand up for the first time I've ever done comedy on purpose. It didn't go well. I'm gonna just that, tell that you that. Sounds now. like a recipe for <laughs> <Yeah>. disaster. <laughs> Best moment of my life. So de- today is. So that does Most seem like a higher than moment that day. than that. Yeah. That, that that can be tough, That those kind of open mic things. I remember going 13th at an open mic night. No, I went like 50th. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> was, was this in New York? All right, just the one-upmanship show yeah. now. I'm sorry. Right. It was just real bad. Was, was this in New York? No, this is in Chicago. This is like five or six years ago. Yeah. That, that does sound really terrible sorry andy keep telling your 13 no 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 story. that was that was the crux of it was that i went late and the crowd was not interested in hearing what I had to say. <laughs> that's um, when you have to start pulling so i decided to host moves. a podcast where i thought people would be interested in what i had to say oh we are andy we are introducing our first sketch today it's seth all right, so uh, this sketch is from A Bit of Fry and Laurie. Let me give you a little background. Uh, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie met at Cambridge, where they performed together in the Cambridge Footlights with such other luminaries as Emma Thompson and the slightly less luminous Tony Slattery, late of Whose Line Is It Anyway, the British version, not the American version. They worked on other projects together, Black Adder and the short-lived Saturday Night Fry radio show, to name a couple, before heading their separate ways into extraordinarily distinguished careers. In addition to starring on both the big and little screens, both men are novelists, though uh, Laurie has written only one novel to Fry's four. Laurie is also an accomplished blues musician. So this is a little strange. We're going to do a combined sketch uh, because the second one was intended as a follow-up to a first, and it's I think it's actually uh, – you get a more complete picture if you just mash them together. So we're starting with the flexibility of language from uh, series one – and moving on into its sort of sequel, Beauty and Ideas, in um, uh, series two. I mean, the premise is that uh, Hugh Laurie is running a late-night talk show, and Stephen Fry is an academic who has been asked on the show to talk about something. He talks for quite a long time. In fact, I like to think that uh, during the gap between series one and series two, 
that character has been talking to Hugh Laurie's character the entire time, which is why when we get to the second half of the sketch, Hugh Laurie's character is much less engaged and much more annoyed than he is in the first section. But uh, the show, um, sorry, the sketch is a satire of talk shows, pretentious academics, and perhaps even communication itself. Uh, but it still contains a little nugget of truth, which I, I think is pretty cool. What was that about pretension? Uh, exactly, yes, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Listen to me, listen to me. If we had been British, would we, under similar circumstances, have been moved, charged up, fired up by his inflammatory speeches, or would we simply have laughed? Is English too ironic to sustain Hitlerian styles? Would his language simply have rung false in our ears? We're talking about things ringing false in our ears. Um, may I compartmentalise? I hate to, but may I? May I? Is our... All right, Seth, why did you pick this sketch? Uh, because I used to be an academic and... Uh, what was your field? I was in uh, the fields of Irish studies, which combined Irish history and Irish literature as well as English literature. Um, I should say that it, it's probably best to describe me as a failed academic because I didn't get that third degree I was looking for. But what is the funniest thing in Irish studies? The funniest thing in Irish studies is Flan O'Brien. If you don't know who that is, you should read him. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the homework assignment. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez. that's right. Um, but I picked this sketch because Stephen Fry, who is incredibly bright, does such a, a pitch-perfect satire of self-important academics while using the same language that self-important academics would use, that it's just kind of beautiful. Uh, it's kind of beautiful to me. And just that that whole character, the way he did, there are so many little touches in that performance. It's really just a, a lovely piece of sketch comedy. One of the things that was striking to me about this sketch is essentially how highbrow it is. It's yeah. really, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of words quickly and you know big words and I'm saying it in the lowest brow way I can I'm realizing now but often you know when you're trying to write or perform or just be funny you're appealing not necessarily the lowest common denominator but you are appealing to an audience mm -hmm. a, a wider audience and is the way that this sketch is done is there something about its highbrow nature that a, uniquely British, or B, is it too, not too highbrow because, you know, we all appreciated it and we're all of varying levels of intelligence. Thanks, Extremely Andy. varying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like um, you were making eye contact with me on that It's one. only because you're sitting across the table from me. I, I think uh, maybe, uh, I don't want me to put words in your, your mouth, Andy, but it's sort of like the, uh, the basket of deplorables comment. Um, the actual quote is uh, half of his supporters are a basket of deplorables. So if, if you want to feel offended, just imagine supporters? yourself as in the other half. That would be our current president and national shame, Donald J. Trump. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's get political now. <laughs> <laughs> but is there something about the nature of this sketch that it, that is uniquely British or it is this kind of – they kind of like, yeah. yeah. They they kind of talk about it in the in the very first one. Stephen Fry says, you know, English, the English, the English language, like the way that we speak it. So basically, by the, by the way, you know, English the English language, and the way that English people speak it can do all these things. Like it, like he, 
the, the, the rest of the rest of the sketch is about like him like giving examples of all the things that the English language can do when spoken by an English person. You know, so like that's I think that that that, that to me was like just like the mark of the sketch it was like they're basically making fun of us because we can't do that in America, <laughs> and um, but also just like sort of poking fun at themselves too. Well, I think one of the interesting examples that kind of comes up in the talk about language was essentially is English too ironic for Hitlerian speech? <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a that funny, was fun. which is a is is a funny joke and. I guess let's kind of go a little meta with this. Is there something about the English language that is ironic and lends itself to this humor? Um, there is a rich, uh, there are rich traditions in every, mm-hmm. in every culture of humor, but perhaps because of imperialism, uh, American and English humor is the most common humor around the world. Um, is there something about the English language that is funny? Do, do you mean, is it capable <laughs> is it capable. capable of oh I'm sorry Leila I, I thought you were going to say something no, I, no I mean I guess I'm confused by your question is English funnier because it's English is that what you're asking say your question again is English funnier because it's English oh no wait no, that is, that's essentially the question is, is there something about whether the way it's English is structured or uh, I guess that's probably the biggest thing is there something in the structure of English that makes it a funny language. Maybe that it's a bastardization or a combination of both German or of Germanic languages and Latin languages. So there's less rigid structure to it. Perhaps you can be more playful in English. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, we compare it to like, I guess in some ways it is. I'm thinking like French and like the way that people use it poetically. And I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to talk about the point that you just mentioned is that, okay, so, and you're going to have to stop me if I go too far on this one, but uh, the, the funny- stop, I'm going to have to ask you Okay, to stop I will here. stop right now. <laughs> um, the, the funny thing to me about this sketch is, because, is that Stephen Fry is attempting to explain how we communicate. And he's doing a piss poor job of it, right? On purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because- English is strongly polyglot. It's it should be Germanic, but there was so much Norman French that came in uh, after the conquest that it changed the nature of the language itself. So, does English do things that other languages don't? I don't know, but I will say that English English is a mess, which is why talking about how language works in English about English can be funny. Yeah, and, and so there's, there's, all, there's, there's different points like in both, uh, in both scenes where like Stephen Fry will be like, well, he'll, he'll take a phrase, like a regular like, turn of phrase, and like make it literal. Like it's like, mark that please for me, mark it. Or it's like, he's like, I want you to hold that thought. I want you to, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, a, well, I, I have a thought, I want to give it to you, and I want you to hold it. Like so, like that, that. He's more or less making fun of like that sort of thing. Like if he said turn a phrase, he'd probably literally ask you, "Can you turn? Do you see how I turned that phrase?" Literally. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's that's one of the the really brilliant things is the 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 sheer condescension that he should. Will you will you hold it? Will you will you will you hold it for me? Um, and I I think the absolutely beautiful thing about this sketch, which I I have to say that I really only caught when I was rewatching it um, for this podcast. Is that when he actually makes his point, that's when he gives up. That's when the sketch ends. 
right? Mm. He uh, he he basically like there's a nine minute build up to this idea that things can have a certain quality without being the embodiment of that quality, right? Things can be beautiful without being beauty. And then as soon as he's made that point, he doesn't feel well and the sketch ends, right? So he spent all this time trying to get something across that's, you know, it's not an easy concept. It's a difficult concept, but it's relatively easy to state and start the discussion. He doesn't do that. He goes through all this drivel and pretension and highbrow nonsense, makes his point, and then feels sick. <laughs> like most academics. Like most <laughs> academics. Actually, uh, we tend to – well, I will say this since I never did make it out of grad school. Uh, as a grad student, you feel sick all the time. It is, uh, it is part of the curriculum. Well, he uses um, – so he's talking about the English language and how it uses alliteration, repetition, and rhythm. And then he heightens it and magnifies it in the, the same way that he's making his presentation. So he's using alliteration, repetition, and like these kind of like hard – like capable, like these hard, yeah. rep repeated uh, syllables, and that he just keeps keeps doing that over and over and over. So he's like, the notes that I made were Brits making fun of Brits, intellectuals making fun of intellectuals, and language making fun of language. So it's like this continual, like deepening of what they're talking about throughout it's the a good entire. Good rule of three is way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's absolutely using using the thing to critique itself, mm -hmm. which is is something I I really appreciate, whether it's in a um, comedic context or not. The other thing I just want to, and these are kind of throwaway jokes. He doesn't know Hugh Laurie's name. He, yeah. He's he, a couple different uh, types. He, he, he calls him three different things. And every so often he will hit on Hugh Laurie. <laughs> just, just like, so you know what I mean, darling? And then it's just, that's it. It's, or he calls him love it at one point, <laughs> I think. Uh, but it's never mentioned by either, uh, by either of them again. And Stephen Fry will bring it up again in another throwaway, which Again, no reaction from either of the two men. Well, that's another reflection on how condescending he is. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's um, a part in Parks and Recreation where Ron always says that he'll call somebody by another name to make sure that they're not getting too close. Yeah. And that's his way of, like, maintaining power. Just another way of academics yeah. <laughs> being <laughs> to, condescending. To stay on, on Hugh Laurie a little bit, um, what are the purpose of his little asides to the camera? What purpose do they serve? And do they need to be there? Is this sketch... Could the sketch be better executed as a monologue or would it be worse executed as a monologue? I think it's worse. Okay. It would be worse as a monologue because Hugh Laurie's interjections are at first him maintaining his position as host of the show and then they become – they sort of switch to a drowning man's attempt to grab onto anything he can and then finally I think they turned into a detested obligation. He's still in, he's still the host. He's still got to, you know, chop this up so that people understand what's happening, but he really doesn't care anymore and he doesn't want to be there. How much of this do you think is actually written? That is a great question. I would bet all of it. Um, like word for word? Nearly. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, certainly the the capable thing sounds like it was improvised or a mistake. Um, and I know that Stephen Fry does have some speech issues. Like he's got a, a tick occasionally where he will just repeat a phrase over and over again. And I think that that made its way into the sketch. But, yeah. um, Julian, what did you see as the differences between the first sketch and the second sketch? Like what are the changes between the two things? Why, why do the sketch again? Yeah, it's well, first, it's just a fun bit. But then also like um, – it, like to reiterate Seth's point, it's kind of just we see the the, the degradation of 
Laurie's character? Was Laurie? Yeah. 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 And so, and, and actually from this, I, I didn't know that it was a part of a talk show. I thought it was just Stephen Fry is going to talk really fast. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the first one, the first sketch was like, it's, it seemed a little more academic. And the second one seemed like they're at like a party or something like that. And he's just like, it's like a sixties kind of party where he's like, you know, droning on on a, a fluffy couch or something like that. No one does that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but yeah, well, like, like as to like, why do it again? Because it's fun. Like Stephen Stephen Fry, just like the pace that he talks about it, and I I just thought that like, um, Laurie's character was just there to like so the audience can keep up, because there are times where I would just like completely just like zone out because he's going like fast and saying all the stuff I don't understand. There are a lot of sketch groups that do recurring sketches. Um, and they bring stuff back, notably SNL, mm-hmm. um, but other Michelin Web do recurring things like that. Is because it's fun a good reason to keep doing a sketch or to keep doing a concept? Yeah, I think Portlandia is another like recall heavy show, and I think what makes it interesting is that you can continue to see these characters in different environments and see them grow or see them be challenged in different ways, um, and see how their mantras like continue or. Or not? Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's value in it as long as you can still get good comedy, right? If it's just fun for you and it's not fun for the audience, then you you have to stop. Yeah, and one thing like when we when we talked about uh, Chappelle show, like well, the way they do character sketches and the way like most people like the, the way they do character sketches is give them a perspective and then put them in an environment where they have to. They have to, you know, where we can see that. Um, but like for this one, it's like we don't, we don't, we don't, if to do it a second time, they should have put them in like, put them in a different, like if it was a talk show, put them like on a different, a different show or something like that. Mm. We can see, we can just see him like, yeah, in different environments or something like that. We could just see him do that character. Um, so that, that's, that's why I was like, I thought, I thought they, I thought they did it, 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 it like in one episode. Like they did that in the, the, the first, first sketch was in the beginning of the episode. The next sketch was in the at the end of the episode or something like that. Yeah, Is that I, right? I don't remember exactly, but the first ones I think in the middle of series one. It's like episode two, three, four, something like that. And the second one is, I believe, the last episode of series two. It's like uh, episode six of series two. Okay, so it's like it's all on different seasons then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is again, it's I just like thinking it's the same. It's the same conversation. It has not stopped since we last saw those two characters. Any uh, kind of final thoughts on this one or anything you'd change on this one? I know for me, I would have liked to have seen a little more physicality out of it. I think Stephen Fry, especially in the first one, mm-hmm. could have been a little more physical, used his body a little bit more. He does it more in the second one. He's kind of in Hugh Laurie's face a little bit more, really leaning towards him. Um, but it's really just two people sitting next to each other. I think they could have gotten more out of um, levels. Julian? Yeah, I, I would like to see like give Stephen Fry's character something to do, and th- and then and then have him go off on that tangent where he, like he stops doing that thing. Like maybe he's on a cooking show, or whatever, and or then just pouring see. a drink. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Interacting with the environment. Right. Yeah. Moment. And then he just like stops and just goes off on a huge rant. I'd uh, I'd have taken another maybe two minutes of that. I I would have extended. Added. It. I would yeah. have added two minutes to it. I just really enjoy that sketch. Absolutely. Yeah, really? just like the pacing of it is insane. Yeah. Like, sorry, I keep interrupting everyone. No, I'm no, sorry. No. <laughs> just Anything change. Anything you'd change? 
I actually or, liked the minimal gestures in it. Like, yeah. I'm all for physicality, but I thought that he did a really good job with like the sort of academic, like using your hands and and pointing. And that was another thing that I actually have is like a repeat gesture. It's just the same thing. So I think for what the sketch was doing, um, I think they did they did well with the the physicality that they needed for those characters. You think, and there's a lot to think about language. There's, there's just like so much to think about language. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. All right, this next sketch comes to us from the Dana Carvey Show by way of SNL. Its original taping on the Dana Carvey Show never aired, and the sketch eventually was used the next time Dana Carvey hosted SNL. It features Carvey playing Tom Brokaw, reading a pre-taped death announcement for President Gerald Ford, who would end up outliving this sketch by 10 years. Uh, The causes of Gerald Ford's death become more and more ridiculous, with Carvey facing straight, reading them off a teleprompter with the occasional interjections from Robert Smigel, uh, the writer um, of the sketch off camera. And here's a clip. Tragedy today is former President Gerald Ford was eaten by wolves. He was delicious. Oh, wait, that's just superfluous. Right, right. it's a former president, Tom. What are you saying? He's not delicious? Fine, fine. What's what's next? All right, the double story. All right. A fireball destroyed France today, and Gerald Ford is dead. (laughs) Now, what are the odds of that? Come on. One of the things I love about this sketch is Dana Carvey's fantastic um, impression. He really embodies Tom Brokaw, or at least an idea of what Tom Brokaw could be. And that is what I like so much. It doesn't really matter if you know who Tom Brokaw is. If you'd watched the sketch in 1996, you would have known who Tom Brokaw was. He was the host of the NBC Nightly News. Um, but even now, uh, he's you know not on the television every day anymore. Uh, you can see Dana Carvey is a different person, and he does it through his voice and he does it through facial tics and gestures. And it I think it's really the cornerstone of the sketch is his impression. And, and Layla, when you're playing a character, whether it's a character who is a real person or a created person, what are you thinking about to create that character? I mean, a lot of it is like what you just said, gestures, finding like two or three heavy gestures to lean on. Um, maybe like for Dana Carvey, I, I was focusing a lot on his eyes. And so it's like, how are they holding their face? Where are they holding their tension? How are they using their tongue when they talk? Like where are they sticking out of their mouth? Are they licking their lips a lot? Are they, you know, hitting the S's really hard? Like where, where are you finding those things? And you just have to find like two, two or three gestures, one or, you know, two or three kind of, language ticks and like one facial tick where the tension in their body is, is in their shoulders, is in their face, um, and really like hang on and lean into those. And I think he did that, I mean, very well. He's licking his lips. He's kind of like holding his face back and you can kind of see this double chin forming. His eyes are very beady. Um, and the way that he's like leaning forward and back, I think is probably all very characteristic of Tom Brokaw. 
Yeah, the, uh, so the like one for me, like one mark of a great impression is like if that comedian doing the impression has like a perspective on that on the person they're yeah, I definitely becoming. agree with that. Yeah, uh, but this one didn't really need that. I feel like that, that's that's one of the things I was looking for. Really, was like what what does Dana Carvey think about Tom Brokaw? And it, 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 this, this sketch was funny without it, you know. But I just that, that's one thing I was kind of looking for, and you kind of don't really see it. It's just like the just the the really, really thing is just his. The like his like cheeks and the way he does the, the way he delivers each line, which was just super funny. Uh, but like I was hoping for something like a, you know, um, Will Ferrell caricature, yeah, yeah, like Will Ferrell's George Bush or something like that. Yeah. Well, Dana Carvey was was famous on SNL for his characters. I think I think he deserves a bit of a rehabilitation in the uh, eyes of who we think of as some of the best SNL performers. Um, I don't think people today remember Dana Carvey as much um, as they do other performers like, you know, whether it's Chris Farley or someone else from that, that era of SNL. I mean, when he left the show, he was on the cover of Rolling Stone and magazines used to mean something. (laughs) Damn. I mean, his his George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot are frankly seminal to, Mm -hmm. um, if I can use the word that, Julian used last time. Uh, nope, nope. We can only yeah. use a word once on the show. All right. Come on, guys. It's not like we're recording all these in one sitting or something. You know? <laughs> that is TV magic. No one knows they tape five episodes of Jeopardy a day. I do. Damn it, Seth. <laughs> Seth just knows everything. And it, damn it. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so Those Irish history class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, but it, yeah, he, he was always one of my favorites when he was on. And it was just like he had a, a confluence of bad stuff happen to him and he kind of just, you know, dropped out of the public eye. I believe he had a heart attack that was part of it. And then like I want to say that the movie that he was in after he left SNL was The Master so, of Disguise. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> the, was, he just the plays a turtle. Was about five years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, there's a turtle, great documentary uh, about Dana Carvey's career immediately after um, – SNL called Too Funny to Fail. Yeah. It's about the Dana oh, yeah. Carvey show. Yeah. Uh, the documentary is on Hulu and it is an excellent watch. And the Dana Carvey show had this amazing um, combination of people. It had Dana Carvey, it had Robert Smigel, uh, Louis C.K., Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, and you know a bunch of other people that you would recognize uh, as well. It really had like a murderer's row of, uh, of talent. A producer does not like me saying murderer's row. A comedian's row. Yeah. It's a regular borscht belt tour of comedy. <laughs> borscht belt? <laughs> I had some borscht recently. Very good. Excellent. Let's get back to the sketch now. Yes. <laughs> so this sketch uh, at its core is a list sketch in which uh, things are listed and they get increasingly absurd. Uh, it's a kind of sketch that reads funny off the page regardless of the character, or hopefully reads funny off the page regardless of the character. How does the sketch move from straightforward silliness to real absurdity? How does it do that, Seth? I, I think it is silly to do pre-taped death announcements. If someone's <laughs> yeah, yeah. The news Movie Meg. This is a practice. Uh, I, I, did not, I was not aware of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, an industry practice. Then I will say that I do want to say that the first joke seems to be that this is an extended recording of pre-taped death announcements because he asks where they are and Smigel replies from offstage that they're still on precedence. Right. Right. So also uh, Gerald Ford 
is intrinsically funny. Yeah, I was sorry. Say that yeah. <laughs> he, he just is. Um, is it because he played center at Michigan for football? Yes, it's because he is played. It, no, I have no idea. I have no idea about <laughs> How what do you your know sports that? <laughs> stuff about presidents. Um, but he uh, like Chevy Chase. Right, first season of SNL, like the one of his big things was being Gerald Ford being clumsy. Um, but Gerald Ford, regardless of what he may or may not have done, is one of those figures who kind of serves as a national punchline. So the fact that we're doing Ford at that point is funny in and of itself. And then, of course, it delves uh, deeply into absurdity um, as the causes of death get more and more bizarre, which of course the most famous one is eaten by wolves. And then the justification is- delicious. Del <laughs> <laughs> eaten by <laughs> Gerald Ford. But, um, but the, the justification is that, and it happened to Taft. Right. Right? That's it. He was eaten by, well, oh, come on. This is ridiculous. It happened to Taft. Taft? Yeah, it's like, no, it didn't. It, it never happened to Taft. Taft went on to become um, Supreme Chief Court, Justice. Chief Center Justice for the Michigan. Yeah. Center for Michigan football. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, that's At a true. a ripe old age. Of that's true. Yeah. 84. But, uh -huh. uh, but, but yeah, it just, and really once it goes off the rails, it goes really off the rails. And one of the best and most absurd parts about it is that Brokaw objects to every yeah. uh, every announcement at past a certain point, but continues to go along with it. Right. <laughs> Even the one where it's like, and I'm gay. Oh, come on. Well, suppose you're gay. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, like improv, it's like you always say yes, but then people get confused because you don't always have to say yes. You can still be hesitant and yeah. do it anyway. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of comedy comes from, that, that brings in that character's perspective. It's like, okay, how do they feel about it? Negative, but they do it anyway. Well, well I think that's, that's kind of the, the thing you learn in improv is always saying yes isn't saying yes. You can say no in a way that moves the scene along. Like You can say no in a yes way. Yes. Well, that's just going to get confusing to go into. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he does kind of resist, but he's still, and, and the way that he does it is Robert Smigel um, appeals to his professionalism. Right. And his fear of some other anchor undercutting him. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good kind of device to keep things moving along. Uh, one of the most notable things about the sketch is how it ends. The sketch ends with Dana Carvey reading um, the news as though Gerald Ford is dead and uh, Zimbabwe has invaded. And uh, Carvey ends up reading it in a fake Zimbabwean language that quite literally sounds like he's saying mumbo jumbo over and over again. And there's a lot, I think, to take away from this. Um, one is that the audience really liked it. Uh, the audience laughed a lot at what was going on. It got a very positive reaction that you didn't hear any gasps. And mm -hmm. you can usually, SNL, you will hear gasps sometimes. Yeah. The oh, yeah, yeah. Hard or something. Mm -hmm. So how have comedic sensibilities changed in the intervening 20 years? And it's not like SNL hasn't done sketches in other language. There's a Chris Farley sketch where he's on a Japanese game show and everyone else in the sketch is actually speaking Japanese. But there was no attempt to speak what would probably be Shona um, in Zimbabwe, but. <laughs> like yeah. their research. Okay. Uh, it's my African history degree coming in handy. Oh. Damn. Yes, I, I, I got a degree history. in African history yeah. because I don't understand how the job market works. 
You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, but yeah, let's 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 talk about how how even in twenty years since the sketch aired, we react differently to comedy, and this probably plays into uh, what we talked about on the last episode with uh, the Chappelle Show sketch, the Clayton Bigsby sketch. Julian, yeah, let's, let's throw it to Julian for the ethnic <laughs> for the ethnic point of view. This is Julian's ethnic corner. Um, we're all ethnic. It's just different ethnicities. <laughs> Ju- Julian, we're we're all going to have a turn. And imagine if he'd gone to me first. Mm, <laughs> what does that say? There's okay. no right. There was no way to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the Algerian point of view, let's go to Layla. Oh, weighing in over no, here go, from stick North with, Africa. Julian. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So, like, uh, just like, first of all, like the reason I think it gets a laugh is because he still says he still has to say Gerald Ford. And, um, it's very, it is yeah. funny to go from that nonsense language to Gerald Ford. Ford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, I was watching it and I was like, this is kind of racist. And, but I was still laughing. And they're like, oh, you know, it's still kind of racist. But like, like that, today, obviously, that sketch wouldn't fly and because people were more sensitive to you know, race and stuff like that. But um, like, could they have done that? Like, like you said, could they have actually just gotten – what the native language is for Zimbabwe and have them do that. Absolutely. And it would still, I think it, would it make the joke better? Yeah. Why not? Because, yeah. well, like, because it, it is. It would be it, impressive that Tom Brokaw could speak that language. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's as opposed to saying, yeah, just like. I think hearing, if if we had heard the structure of an actual language, it mm-hmm. would have been funnier because it really is just him going. Yeah. yeah. Like, Making click noises. Yeah, I mean, click noises. That, 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 that's the that part, part the more, yeah. the, the more racist part. The other thing is like there's there's other ways to make that same joke without being like and now I'm going to make up nonsense language for a country that actually exists, right? Like it, it's absurd that Zimbabwe would have invaded. Well, it's also absurd that Australia might have invaded and that could have happened and then he would have gotten to do it in dialect or he could have like – and the Martians invaded. OK, and now you can just do whatever you want. You can do a whole bunch of nonsense syllables and weird sounds mm-hmm. and nobody yeah. cares. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 1996, like, though. <laughs> Martians are not a threat like they are now. Uh, I'm sorry. I believe Mars Attacks came out oh, yo, right, right around that right. time. <laughs> there was a very great fear that weird Martians, as imagined by Tim Burton, were going to take over. That's a good movie. That Please prove so me wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's almost like jarring when I saw this sketch the first time how racist it felt to me. Because yeah. I was thinking to myself, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I was laughing out loud truly as I was having trouble breathing I was on a bus and I was like <gasps> wheezing trying to not what laugh a sight. because it was yeah I'm sure it was I'm sure it was very worrying to the other patrons on the bus and then it just takes this turn and it it took me out of it immediately and I think you know whether you could go with what Seth just said and like whether play up another English dialect or English accent to do it or do something like, and the Martians invaded, mm-hmm. and so you can do nonsense. That would have been sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say sorry. It occurred to me, but then how how much funnier is it? No, no, more sad in right. Martian. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even the line, "If Mars invaded, would I still be the anchor?" Yeah. 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 Uh, it's like, how do we know what well, Martians are gonna? I can't do the voice. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> like I like your attempts. Gerald Ford. Say, well, how do we know what the language of the Martians is? Like, like, like how, like, how do we, like, how do we, how do we, how do we get there? He's like, well, 
and he comes up with some kind of like justification for it. It would have been funny. Any other final thoughts? Any other things you'd change in this sketch other than the um, cut the last thirty thing? seconds <laughs> yeah, of it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Past um, that, anything you'd do different, Layla? Different? I don't know. One thing I just really enjoyed was that it was just him sitting at the at the desk talking to an off screen. Um, so I wouldn't change anything about the set um, or anything like that. That's the only thing I can. It think can also of. be tough when you're writing, trying to think. Well, I, I need to put more characters in here. I need to create something to play off. And, and usually that's for the best. Um, but sometimes there are pieces that really do just work as essentially one character talking. Yeah, that's uh, that's always my note. Is like, you know, we need to give this character something to do. Right? But this one is like. It's 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 funny just hit, yeah like having him sit there kind of like 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 a morning Miami the SNL sketch where the it's a morning show and they're they're they're, they're pre taping their opener and uh, it's just it's funny just having them sitting there and watching them like between takes like and, and and just it's funny just having him sit there and be like oh come on all right and then go to the next yeah just one. the absurdity of pre taping yeah anything yeah. it's nice to kind of like get a look behind the scenes is there anything you change Seth um, just what I've said. Just what I said. Yeah. Well, it's 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 it is a sketch that I think works so well on the twofold pillars of Dana Carvey's excellent impression and um, Gerald Ford being eaten by wolves. He was delicious. All right, time for final thoughts. Uh, Seth, how about you, as a recurrent co-host? Uh, why don't you come up with the rating system for how we rate today's sketches? Um, I'm okay. All right. Uh, I am going to come up with a strange rating system. It's what going, a surprise. It's, it's, yes, how weird that I would do that. It's going to be uh, objections, and this is a negative rating system. The more objections you give something, the worse it is. Oh, okay. I like that. All right. A twist. Yes. A twist. Why don't you go first as the let's start with um with on language or however right. however uh, it's titled. I will uh, I will give that no objections. No objections. Love that sketch. All right, Layla. <laughs> One thousand objections. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, no. it is it good. because of colonialism? I, that is bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, yes, I'll stick with that reason. Okay. <laughs> Julian. Damn colonizers. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I'll give it a, I give it one objection. One objection is the, yeah. would you like to, is it colonialism? Is it related to that? Yes. Or is it, it's always related it's to that. It's always related to colonialism. Read things All fall right. apart. <laughs> oh, I have. Chinoa oh. Achebe. I need to. Oh, you really should. It's quite wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I have it in my library. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> we'll save that for the African literature podcast. Okay. Um, can't wait for oh it's gonna be good uh, I can't wait to make our producer Isaiah produce that <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me I would give the sketch oh I think I'd give it one objection I would have liked it to have been more physical uh, especially the first time around and now for uh, Tom Brokaw pre-tapes Gerald Ford's obituary Julian how many objections would you give this sketch uh, I give this one uh one objection as well, for the exact same reason. <laughs> More movement you would have liked to have seen? No, uh, just for colonizers. Oh, colonizers. Yeah, right. oh, yeah. oh, okay. Layla, what about you? I'll give it um, 999 objections just because I like Dana Carvey. There you go. All right. Okay. Uh, Seth? 
I am going to give it uh, one full objection for lazy writing at the end. Let's touch on that real quick. Mm-hmm. Was it lazy writing 20 years ago? Or how does that like, does that factor into it at all? Um, I am going to say uh, because I, I talked about this in the uh, the last episode where I mentioned Monty Python specifically. Um, yes, it is. It's it's lazy writing, and let's just put it this way: white dudes did it because we didn't have to do anything else. We didn't have to consider really um, who we were making fun of or how we were making fun of them. We just kind of did it because we went, oh, this is funny and didn't really think about the deeper implications. So yeah, lazy writing. Yeah. yeah, I'll say it's really lazy too because like the, the clicking part is – I feel like even back in 1996, it was a cliche. Yeah, sure. Right. No, I, and I agree. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting thought to yeah. uh, to parse out a bit. Uh, and for me, I would give it uh, one extremely notable objection. Uh, as we all said, the end is is quite problematic. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our two-time guest, Layla Dreesy. <laughs> That was Layla. Uh, <laughs> Layla's ska band will be performing <laughs> later this week. Save Layla. Please like, share, and subscribe this uh, to this podcast. If you have a sketch that you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We would love to do that. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes of Sketch Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. For Layla, Seth, and Julian, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.